and grab your Bible and open up to Mark chapter 14. We're working our way through Mark. We're in a section which we're calling to the point of death, where Jesus is working his way towards the cross. And it's on page 1020. Ignore that. It's page 1020. I wrote that when I was using a different Bible. Page 1020. Mark chapter 14, and we start at verse 12. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of the disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house, he enters, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city and found things, just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. When they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him, but woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he gave thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I want you to imagine with me um, that after the service, we go for a little walk down, down Borough High Street and round to kind of Borough Market area. Now, as you walk around this part of London, pretty much any part of London, there's one thing you can't help but notice. You will see everywhere restaurants restaurants, cafes, people eating. People are eating all the time in London. And especially around here, and you walk by the windows, and there's kind of the warm glow inside, and you look, and people are gathered around a table, and they're having fun, or they're kind of one-on-one, leaning in, having a conversation. People are eating, having food all the time. And I think this is because food is so important to us. Food says friendship. Eating a meal with someone says, I accept you, I want to be with you, I want to spend time with you. It's funny how a plate of food is almost like a bridge between two people. Especially if you invite someone into your home. That's really precious, isn't it? There's something so human about that, that it happens in every culture around the world, that you show that you care for someone or you accept them by saying, well, come to my house and we'll have a meal together. The um, American... Um, social activist um, Cesar Chavez said this about eating together. If you really want to make a friend, go to someone's house and eat with him. Listen to this. The people who give you their food give you their heart. The people who give you their food give you their heart. Have you experienced this? The people who give you their food give you their heart. What if you could enjoy a meal, this kind of friendship with God? What if the glow of people sitting around a table in a restaurant eating food that we see in these restaurants is actually a little picture 
of a possibility that you and I can have a meal, friendship, closeness with God. That's what this passage is all about. So Jesus is on his way to the cross, like I said, and this is just before he dies, the day before he dies, and we get this story that is all about food, having a meal, and the Jesus isn't just thinking, well, I'm going to die soon, so, you know, last meal. I don't know what you'd have for last meal before you eat steak, McDonald's. No, why would you? This isn't just kind of last meal, let's have some food. Throughout this story, we're going to see there's loads and loads about food. Jesus is actually teaching us about the point of his death, why he's going to die. This meal is all about his death. Why is he headlong, deliberately towards the cross? We're probably all very familiar with the fact that Jesus dies on the cross. We, we, we know that happens. But why does he die? What's the point? Why is it all working towards this moment? Do you remember earlier on in Mark's gospel, three times Jesus said, I must die and rise, I must die and rise, I must die and rise. This is all in the plan, but why? Why does Jesus die on the cross? This meal, this dinner, is going to teach us that. And here's what we're going to see. I'm going to give you the answer early on. And we're going to see it worked out. Through this meal, Jesus shows us the point of death is a meal with God. That's what we're going to see. The point of death is a meal with God. So let's get into the story. The foodiness starts right up, okay? Verse 12, we get some freshly baked bread and some roast lamb. Okay, verse 12, read with me. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, mm, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, mm, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So this is feast day. This is a big celebration for the Jews. One of the most important festival in their calendar. The feast of unleavened bread and the Passover, where it was, like it says, was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb. Now that's, that's a dramatic way of describing preparing a meal, to sacrifice the lamb. I mean, I did say to Vicky the other day, I'm going to sacrifice the chicken for lunch, Vicky. They're going to sacrifice it. Okay. The reason it talks about sacrificing lamb is because the Passover is a meal with a story. And it's such an important story that if we don't understand the, the meaning, the story behind this meal, we won't understand anything else that's going to go on with bread and wine and all that stuff coming later. Okay. So what's this story that's behind this Passover meal? There's a, there's a poster at Southwark Station, and I've talked about this before, but I think it's a really cool illustration anyway, where, where the poster's always there and it says, if history could be folded, where would you put the crease? Great question. Easy for the Jews to answer. They would have said, the Exodus. That's where history is folded. The Exodus. Let me tell you about it. This was the moment, the defining moment in the, in the Israelites' life where God rescued them out of slavery in Egypt, the Exodus. And when God was doing this, his last act that finally persuaded Pharaoh that God was God and Pharaoh wasn't God and he should let his people go was that the firstborn of every family would die. God's angel would pass through the city and the firstborn would die that night. Unless... They followed God's careful instructions, which God's people had. And here were the instructions. They were to sacrifice a lamb, put the blood over the doorframe, and then the angel of God would pass over that house and the firstborn wouldn't die. The lamb died instead of the child. The blood paid the price. And then God said to his people, this is it. This is your time to go. You've been in slavery all this time. This is it. Get ready. Bake some bread, no yeast in it, unleavened bread, flat bread, and eat it really, really quickly in a way like you're ready to go and leave. I'm rescuing you. 
You've got the blood of the lamb and you've got the bread. Rescue. That's what we should think when we hear Passover, unleavened bread. Rescue. So that's the story behind the meal. So this kind of meal festival of unleavened bread and Passover, this is where that comes in. Because God said to them, this moment in your history, in your story, is so important that this is going to be your January. This is going to be the first month of your, your year. This is where history is going to be folded for you. Every single year, you're going to sacrifice a lamb to remember this. And you're going to eat some unleavened bread, have this festival of unleavened bread. And then in Exodus 12, God says why he wants them to do this every single year. It was on this day I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. So, the Passover and festival of unleavened bread, the lamb and the bread meal, is all about rescue. The meal means rescue for God's people. That's what this festival is about. And so, Jesus' disciples, as Jesus had done for about 1,300 years, went to prepare the Passover to eat it with Jesus. So, Jesus is just going to celebrate an ordinary kind of festival, like we have Christmas every year and Easter. They're, they're just going to remember God's rescue. All very normal. Until Jesus starts giving instructions to his disciples about how to go and prepare the Passover. Read with me again in verse 13. So they're going to have this Passover meal. He sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house, he enters. The teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there odd right the city at this time for the passover will be teeming with people it'll be rammed because everyone comes back to the city to celebrate the passover and jesus is confident when they go to the city they're going to spot this guy out of all the crowds who's carrying this jar of water and then they've got to follow him and then talk to the guy in the house verse 14 have this conversation where well this is quite strange jesus the teacher says where is my guest room Jesus says, there's a room for me in this house with my name on it already. Very odd. So Jesus is actually, he's already prepared this meal. You know, they're saying, can we go and prepare this? And Jesus is saying, well, actually, here's the plan. You're going to find this place and this is the room and this is where we're going to be. And and you'll get there and it's already going to be furnished and ready. And you just make preparations. Why this oddness about going to prepare this meal? This Passover is going to be different. Jesus is planning. He's up to something here, right? This meal is going to have a point to it. Jesus is giving the meal to the disciples, and it's going to go just as he plans. In fact, that's what it says. Disciples left, verse 16, went in the city and found things just as he had told them. Okay. And we get more of a sense that this Passover meal is actually all about Jesus when the meal starts. Remember our little walk down Borough High Street into looking at the restaurants and gazing at it. I do like to look in at people having a meal and wonder, are they, are they having an argument? Actually, you shouldn't think that as you walk. But anyway, but imagine going by this meal, you know, walking by the window and seeing them and gazing in. Verse 18, 17, when evening came, Jesus arrived with his 12. And when they were reclining at the table, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me one who is eating with me. The people who give you their food give you their heart. And Jesus says, with people eating with him, one of you is actually going to betray me. A plate of food is a bridge between human beings, but one of them, Judas, we found out back in verse 10, has gone to the chief priests and sold Jesus' life 
for money. Have you ever been at a dinner where someone said something just really awkward? You know, you're like, silence, no one knows what to say. Well, imagine this. Pass the lamb, one of you is going to betray me. I'm, this, is, this is hard. And then verse 19, this is how they react. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, surely you don't mean me. Imagine them going round. Not, not me, Jesus, not me, not me. And it comes to Judas, and he says, Surely you don't mean me, Jesus. And again in verse 20, Jesus makes it totally clear. It is one of the twelve. That's his kind of pet name for these guys. You're one of the twelve. The one who dips bread into the bowl with me. Meals are for friendship, but this one, this meal, is about betrayal. The betrayal of Jesus. And Jesus said, this is exactly how it said in the scriptures it was going to happen. The Son of Man will go just as it's written about him, betrayed at the cross. I mean, what is this meal? It's just getting more and more strange. Remember we said this meal is about the exodus, the lamb and the bread. But this one's turning out a little bit different. This meal is about Christ being betrayed on the cross by one of his own. This meal is rapidly becoming all about Jesus's death. And then we get the bread and the wine. We've not even got there yet. To help us um, think about the bread and the wine thing, I want to tell you about a little daydream I have sometimes. I think, you know, if I wasn't a church minister, I love this, I'm not quitting, this isn't resignation, but I would love to be a tour guide in London. Now, if any of you ever come hanging around London with me, I, I do fancy myself as a bit of a tour guide, and I will give you useless and very limited trivia. But imagine with me Phil Tinker London, to, my name's Phil Tinker, by the way. Yeah. London, uh, London tour guides, okay. This will be touring London with an alternative angle. I'll take you to Big Ben. This is Big Ben, and here's the tower, which used to be called St. Stephen's Tower, but has been renamed Phil Tinker Tower. <laughs> yes. And then we go to the, along the river to Waterloo Bridge. Waterloo, famously named after my personal Waterloo, where I overcame a difficult cold. And then we go to the gherkin, I point up and say, this is the gherkin. Because, so named because of my very intense dislike of gherkins. And after a while, you say, Phil, I'm starting to get the picture. This is a very strange tour guide, Tinker Tours, that you're doing. Hey, there we go, Tinker Tours. That's what it's going to be. You seem to think London is all about you. you. You take everything in history and everything that's true about it, and you're saying it's Tinker, it's Phil, it's all defined by you. Now, that would be a bizarre tour that wouldn't last very long because you wouldn't want to give me any more money. The, the, the Waterloo Bridge is named after the Battle of Waterloo. It's not named after my overcoming a cold. I can't just redefine it and say, well, actually, it's named after me. So I want us to feel something of the audacity and surprise when Jesus takes the unleavened bread, which we know and they know is all about the exodus for hundreds of years. It's always been about the exodus, the big rescue. And he says, verse 22, this is my body. No, it's not Jesus. It's the bread that reminds us about the exodus rescue. It's like me saying the gherkins named after my dislike of gherkins. This bread is my body when it's never once in the whole of scripture being called Jesus's body, by the way. It's always the Exodus bread. What's going on? Is Jesus teaching us something about his death? That's what's coming up. The point of his death. 
If the bread is all, think about the logic with me. If the bread is all about the Exodus rescue from slavery and Jesus says, well, it's me, it's my being, it's my body on the cross, then what's the point of Jesus' death? Rescue. Exodus was about rescue. Jesus' death is going to be about rescue. His body will be given to rescue God's people. It's Exodus Mark 2. That's what he's saying. But what kind of rescue is this going to be? What, what is God rescuing us from and what's he rescuing us for? Well, let's keep going because he hasn't finished. He's only just done the bread. He's going to move on to the wine. Verse 23. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. That's really important. They've all, they're all enjoying this meal together. Verse 24. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Now, this is a meal already pumped full of meaning, isn't it? And what Jesus says about blood and covenant is him once again going back to the Exodus story, the rescue from Egypt, and saying, it's about me now, guys. Because the Exodus, now this is, we haven't finished with the Exodus story, because it wasn't just about rescue, getting out of Egypt. It was, in the end, all about relationship. God rescued his people out of Egypt, and he said to them, well, now I've rescued you. I'm going to be your God and I want you to be my people. It's like we're going to be married. We're going to have this relationship. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to love you fully. I'm never going to desert you. And you, your part of this relationship is you're going to fully obey me. You're not going to go after other gods. We're going to be committed to each other. And this marriage, this agreement, this relationship is called a covenant. Important word for this, okay? A covenant. And then there comes this moment in Exodus 24, we're going to turn there in a moment, where God, what he's done is he's explained this, this relationship, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people, we're going to have a covenant, a relationship. And then, um, well, here's what happened. Turn with me to, to Exodus 24. I really want you to see this. Exodus 24, which is on page 82. Keep a finger in Mark 14 and go to Exodus 24 on page 82. So God has explained all about this marriage, this relationship, this covenant. He's told them exactly what it's going to look like. And then Exodus 24, verse 6. Moses took half of the blood yeah, and put it in bowls and the other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. We agree. We're going we're to enter into this relationship. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenants that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So the signing of the wedding certificate between God and his people, we've not finished there, so don't turn back. The signing of the wedding certificate between God and his people is blood. That's like signing the dotted line. It, it's smeared over the altar, which represents God's part, and it's sprinkled over the people, which is their part. They both sign it with blood. So blood is all about relationship of covenant between God and his people. Blood makes the way for a relationship with God. Okay, that's really important. But get what happens next. Verse 9. Let's keep reading. So they've done the whole blood thing. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel, all the leaders of Israel basically, went up and saw the God of Israel. They go up the mountain and see God. 
Under his feet was something like the pavement made of lapis lazuli and bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. God has a meal with his people. Blood leads to a meal with God. The blood of the covenant opens the way for God to sit down and eat and drink with his people. And Jesus says, go back to Mark 14, page 1020 if you lost it. And then Jesus says, this is my blood of the covenant, the marriage between God and people. And what's Jesus doing? He's sitting and having a meal with the leaders of God's new people, the disciples. The disciples sat and ate with God, with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Do you see what's happening? Blood leads to a meal with God. Now, when I say that, that sounds blooming weird, doesn't it? Blood leads to a meal with somebody. Have you ever invited someone over for a meal at your house and gone, guys, before we can sit down and, you know, have a friendship, bit of blood spattering okay we're just gonna smear a bit of blood okay bit of blood okay now we can be friends now we can have this meal together what's going on how does blood lead to eating with god remember we said at the beginning that food says friendship eating a meal together says i accept you i want to spend time with you that's a problem between us and god that that is not easy because judas isn't the only one who betrays god a few verses later, actually, we're going to see this next week, all the disciples desert Jesus. You see, the betrayal that we see in Judas is a picture of the betrayal of all mankind. We have betrayed God. Think about it with Jesus and Judas. Jesus has only ever been good to God. Jesus has welcomed him in to be one of his closest friends. And something poisonous in Jesus' heart leads him to, to sell Jesus' life for money. And then the Israelites back, back in the Exodus time were exactly the same. They needed blood to um, pay for their betrayal of God. God had only ever been good to them. He'd rescued them. He'd welcomed them to be, one of his, to be his closest people. But this poison in their heart of sin meant that they, time and time again, sold God out. They sold him for other gods, for living their own way. So... In Exodus, God's people, they could only have a meal with God, only have friendship with God if something, if blood opened the way. Because blood paid the price for the sin. Blood paid the price for the betrayal. And we're the same. God is perfectly good to us. And humanity, since Adam to you and I today, we sell the welcome and friendship of God for living our own way, for our own wisdom without him. And so God, here's the big thing. God can't just sit down and have a meal with us. And some of us have experienced being really hurt and offended and wronged by someone. And you'll know, you can't just sit down and have a meal with that person and pretend it never happened. You can't just do that. How much more with God? He can't just sit down with us, welcome us to his table, the bridge between people and say, God, don't worry about it. It's all okay. What offense? What sin? He can't do that. Something needs to pay, pay the price. We need some blood. But God's love for us means that he wants to sit down with us again. God wants to have a meal with us, a relationship with us. So he's provided us a way, the blood of Jesus. My blood poured out for many, he says. 
Do you want to know your maker? Do you long that God wouldn't be a distant possibility, but a present reality in your life? Then you need blood to pay the price because we're sinful and God is holy and that can't be ignored. And the father put forward his son in love who says, and you're seeing it right here, sitting at this table, this meal. Well, here's my blood. Have mine poured out for many to pay the price. Let me sum up what we said. The point of the Exodus Passover bread, the point of the Exodus covenant blood was so they could have a meal with God. The point of Jesus' death, his body and his covenant blood is so that we can eat with God. Are you trusting in the death of Jesus to bring you near to God? It's the only way. Trust in him today. I mean, who doesn't like getting invited for dinner? I like, I like getting invited for dinner, by the way. God's, invite, God's inviting you to eat with him, to have that kind of relationship with him. Jesus prepares this meal. Notice, he gives them the bread and the wine. He says, take it, each time, take it. He's saying to the disciples, I'm providing this for you, this body and this blood, me. I'm giving me to you. Take it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to clean yourself up before you can be friends with God. I will do that for you on the cross. I will pay the price with my blood. I'll do it. Just take it. Just receive my death for you. And then we're going to begin this new relationship, this new covenant, where I'll be your God and you'll be my people and live for me. As Christians... Do we know that we're sitting at a table with God? That's what we have. We sometimes can treat God a bit like this, that we think that God's gone, well, here's the forgiveness card. Here's the rescue bit. I'll, I'll, I'll chuck you the forgiveness card. It's got my number on it. And we'll, we'll chat every now and then. So we're kind of very happy to have the rescue and the forgiveness. Thanks, we'll have that. But the relationship, we'll, we'll chat maybe in the new creation or something like that, Okay. But we've seen from this meal, it's rescue for a relationship. It's death so we can be saved. It's salvation for a meal. The point of death is a meal with God. Do you know that? that today, tomorrow, when you wake up, you're having a meal with God. He's near to you in that way, like he's just sitting down having a meal. I don't know if you've ever been stood up for meals or that kind of thing. He's not going to stand you up. It's not like he's not turning up tomorrow. Might find someone more interesting, more holy to spend time with. Through Jesus' death, listen to this. Through Jesus' death, he's with us every day in a I'm sitting at the table eating with you kind of way. That's what God offers us in Christ. Every day secured by the blood of Jesus. Present by his spirit. Now, I always like the promise of seconds. With meals. Now, it's, this happens. We, we eat together after the service as a church. And normally, Linda at some point will shout, to my heart's delight, there's more food if anyone wants it. And I'm up and I'm over getting my more food. Did you notice Jesus promises some more food? Verse 25. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it, in, drink it new in the kingdom of God. He says, there's a feast to come. There's, a, there's more meal going to happen. One day we will sit at the king's table and chat and laugh 
and smile as we enjoy a meal with Jesus at the king's table. He's going to be there. Are you? So what's this meal? Okay, this is communion, the Lord's Supper. So in in other parts of the Bible, Jesus, with this meal, says says to us, to Christians, keep remembering this meal that happened one-off on that night by having a similar thing with broken bread and wine. We have grape juice. It's basically the same thing. Remember having this meal. So what can we learn from this about what we're going to do, which we do every couple of weeks or so as a church family? I want us to see especially, there's so much we could say about this. But do you see, this is a meal with God. This is a meal with God. This is us remembering Jesus' death for us. His body and his blood poured out for us. But it's not a kind of mere remembering, just remembering. This is us enjoying a meal with God because of the body and blood of Jesus. Think about it. Why did God give us this? I mean, it's weird, isn't it? Jesus said, for Christians, forever and ever, well, until I return, you're going to have some, some bread and some wine. Why? Why didn't Jesus just say, well, here's a, here's a little sermon. I'm going to print out, well, you know, you print out, write out, and you just read this out every single time to remember my death. Or why didn't Jesus just give us a picture that we can all look at to remember his death? Why a meal? Because the point of death is a meal with God. So we take part as a church in what we're going to take part in in eternity. Remember, there's, there's seconds. There's more to come. So we, we have a little... This is starters, okay? This is our first course. This is us, every time we have this, having a little taste of a meal with each other and a meal with God, which we're going to enjoy forever. It's going to be much bigger than this. Don't worry in eternity. And if you ever wonder, what do I think when I go up and take the bread and the wine? What, what, what's going on here? Maybe this passage can help us. Think to yourself, the point of the bread, the point of the wine, is rescue and relationship with God. And you can pray as you come up and as you take it, thank you, God, that I can eat with you. I have that kind of closeness to you because of the body and blood of your son. The point of Jesus' death is a meal with God. And so we're going to enjoy this meal together now. We're going to enjoy a meal with God now. First of all, we're going to have a moment singing, and then we're going to enjoy this. Let me pray, and then we'll sing. Heavenly Father, we, we want to start by confessing our sin, that we are so like Judas. We would have a lot of things over you. We'd prefer to have money, power, Freedom to do whatever we want rather than have you as our God. And we're sorry. We know, we know that that is an infinite offense. And we praise you for your love that you have moved towards us in Jesus. You sent him so that his body could be broken, so that his blood could be poured out, so that we can eat with you. And, and, I, and I praise you that for those of us trusting in Jesus, that is our reality every day. And I just pray that we would know that. Lord, no matter where we are in our life and what's going on, whether we are feeling happy right now or whether we are down and sad or feeling lonely or whatever it is, that we would know, Lord, even know right now as we take this bread and this wine, that we would know that you are near because of Jesus. And so I pray, pray that right now you would bless our time together. You would meet with us by your spirit. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing about Jesus betrayed, walking towards the cross for us and then rising from the dead. And then we'll enjoy this together. Let's sing.